We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast. We're brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Today's podcast is coming to you from Denver. I was in uh, in Denver at Pepsi Center covering the, the the loss last night against the Denver Nuggets. And today on Monday morning, um, I'm recording this with this pod with three Denver Nuggets beat writers. And I thought, uh, who better to be able to talk about uh, the three most recently acquired Timberwolves in Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Juancho Hernan Gomez than some guys who have been covering these dudes for the past uh, the past four years. So I think you'll appreciate this conversation uh, as kind of wide-ranging, uh, first digging into those three, but then also these guys had questions about Keita Bates-Diop and Noah Vonley. So it's... Uh, I think it, it turned out to be a really good uh, a really good conversation that also kind of ends with us discussing how how different of paths the Wolves and the Nuggets have taken since that game 82 at the end of the 2017-18 season and uh, yeah so I, it's also going to be a little bit different because they use the audio um, as well uh, for for their podcast so it isn't necessarily me leading the conversation but we'll hit on all the things um, Denver Nuggets and I think you will. Uh, find it really informative to learn about uh, what Malik Beasley's game was like in in Denver. Same with Wancho, and even you know Jared Vanderbilt has probably been the most confusing of the three to us uh, who who haven't really had a had a chance to get to see him play. So these these guys, um, Adam Mares, Brendan Vote, and Harrison Wynn, pr- provide some really good context on those three. So I hope you enjoy the show, and we will be back next Thursday with Charlie and Britt in studio. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DNVR Headquarters Lounge. I am your host, Adam Mates. I'm joined by Brendan Vogt. 
Hey, how's it going, guys? As you, you always know this is calibration, so people know your voice. You have to say something. Hello. There it is. That's great. <laughs> we always know the intro is coming, but we and never, never quite prepared know how to say I'm also it. joined by Harrison Wynn. What's up, guys? What's uh, up? <laughs> what's up? There you go. And today we have a very special uh, guest, my buddy from Zone Coverage Minnesota, Dane Moore. Dane, what's yeah, up, man? man? Thank, you for, thank you for doing this, and we're doubling this up, so it's going on my podcast as well, which is the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Not as good of a name. But <laughs> you know, but short and to the sweet and to the point. You know, you it keeps that. it vague. You know, yeah. so that when the Timberwolves become irrelevant, then I can like <laughs> I could talk about oh, other teams. You know, NBA, smart. right? You well, let me baptize you into this podcast. We like to make fun of the way people pronounce words here. So, can you say vague for me? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know so, so Minnesota is oh, very. Is that, that's that was, uh, it's people rip on the accents. Okay. So vague, vague. What did I say? Now when you ask me to say vague. Vague. <laughs> vague. Okay. Vague. There, there you go. go. Vague. Don't There's worry, Dan. Is. I get it. I'm going to try and say that as many times as I, I get can, it literally though. every episode. I was going to so. say we don't pick on people's way they pronounce words. We just pick on Harrison. <laughs> it was too easy. It was just sitting there. Um, I can't remember. I'm, I'm baptized. Word. I can't remember what word people said I screw up. There was a weird, a random word that I never. No, your thing is you say you preface everything with in a vacuum. Well, in a vacuum, <laughs> yeah, in a vacuum. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. It just sounds like a cool preface. <laughs> sounds like a cool. It's thing supposed to, say. to be like in a scenario where there, nothing outside. In a what exactly what we're talking about matters. In a controlled environment. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see how many times I do it today. Um, every time is a, obviously a drink, so a crack open your <laughs> Breck Brew. Today's episode of the show, like all episodes, are brought to you by. Illegal Pete's. Uh, illegal uh, Pete's. Uh, We're at the home of the stir. Fantastic place. Dane, you're not lucky enough to have Illegal Pete's. I know. What is it? It's like Chipotle, but better. Well okay. said. I, I walked I walked by it. Oh, you should have gone. Oh, I didn't know. I really missed out when, on a piece of the Colorado culture. To Chipotle, does it ever bum you out that they don't stir the ingredients? In your you can bowl? ask them to stir it. Yeah, you can. You can. You can ask you. them. Or you can but just they, go to Illegal Pete's. At Illegal Pete's, they ask you. They understand. It's just assumed. <laughs> yeah. It's just understood at Illegal Pete's. It's understood. Um, it's a right. very vague name. Of <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're off to a great start. Burrito. You know, so my wife has a like the ag sound bag tag whatever she says like big and it's very minnesota and now my kids say it um, oh god dylan she's always like that where's my big <laughs> i'm always like dylan stop where did you get that <laughs> she even says like magazines or i don't know she has a weird way of saying all those sounds my mm. college roommate said bat bagel Instead of bagel, yeah, I would have slapped him. Yeah, so hard. I did once. Did I would really? have. Yeah. I would have thought he's doing it on purpose. He, I can't yeah. believe people actually say bagel. He was from upstate New York. It's a weird place. What do you think of uh, the Colorado accent? I'm bad at picking up on accents. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm making a point. Uh, I don't know. Colorado is it is it a thing? No, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is I think Colorado doesn't have an accent. I don't think it I would does. agree with that. It's yeah. the, and I'm not just saying that as somebody from Colorado. I just think that's like the. Mm-hmm. There is no accent. I don't know. It's the base, I guess. Yeah. Everything else is a deviation from the perfect accent of Colorado. Um, Dane, at, we're not just talking about accents today. We are also talking about your um, new roster. What, what am I trying to say here? Additions. New, new additions to the roster, as well as Denver's new additions to the roster. But we're going to start um, with you. So you just received two of our favorites. Yes. We just were, we were just in the other room watching. So Jared this. Vanderbilt is not a favorite. Oh man, that's right. There's three. I was <laughs> gonna say. I actually we'll, really we'll, like Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Vanderbilt too. We just don't know him. Yeah. Really. Well, I think that that's the you know that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you guys, and I'm sure my listeners also is the, those three guys all I mean didn't play a ton you yeah. know in Denver, and so it's it, they're hard to know, and so we're we're kind of getting to 
this point where we see how Malik plays. And now Wancho is getting this this role here, but even for me, someone who has the time to like dig in and try and figure out who like Wancho Hernan Gomez is, it's like tough. He yeah. he he played, and everyone's like, oh, like Jokic and Cat, same thing. Like it's it's not. And there, there's there's I don't know. It, it's just very important for Minnesota the front office mostly to understand what Hernan Gomez and Beasley are because they have this decision coming up yeah. with their restricted free agency to say, you know, are they someone they want to build this team around like next to cat? Are, are they, are they critical pieces? So it's in a completely lost season for the Timberwolves. I mean, these, what Wancho can be and what Malik can be are, I mean, two of the, you know, the biggest questions. And they're already these sort of unknown quantities because they never re- reached their full potential in Denver. And Wancho right. was, sort of out of rhythm and out of confidence. We know he's a better shooter than the front office has seen statistically, right, it, it, through his time in Denver. So it's a short ramp for them to gather this data and make that decision. Would you say, I feel like I know Beasley and Wancho pretty well, and I, I feel like, maybe this is foolish of me, but I feel like I can see their trajectory. Uh, I feel like I know them pretty well. Malik especially, but I think even Wancho, I kind of know what you're getting from him. Yeah. I mean, we watched him for four years. Four years is a long time. Even if you're in and out of the rotation, even if at times you're a starter, at times you're not playing at all, like four years is still a long time. Well, you're the the best people to, like, analyze a bench guy are 82 game guys. Yeah. yeah, You've you've been watching them. You know, even even stuff like Summer League, you know, where where you just have – there's been this part of your brain that's been analyzing these guys where somebody who's watching the league as a whole or, you know, me who's only getting to Denver games, you know, here and then it's, we don't have that, you know, we don't have that perspective. So for me, as I'm sitting here trying to decide, you know, is if they offer Malik Beasley a $15 million a year contract, like, is that worth it? I, I don't know. It's, it's mm. hard for me mm-hmm. to make an assessment and I don't want to totally Make it off of whatever the five six games he's played here. I'm right. like, well, he shoots he's a, a max. Lot. He's a max. Yeah, guy, right. Like volume shooter. He does shoot a lot. <laughs> he's like, in Minnesota. I was shocked. <laughs> Were you, you guys shocked how little he was shooting last night? Yes. Well, yeah. yeah well, Gary Harris smothered him over right. the first that was a probably fun. seven eight minutes of the game. There was a little extra on that game for both cool. guys. It was yeah. cool. Malone said after the game, Coach Malone for Denver yeah. said there was a game within a game between yeah. Gary and Malik, and I mean. And Gary, then Gary won that game. And then Monte Morris said after the game, he was talking about Gary Harris, and he was like, "Yeah, Gary wasn't really talking a lot pregame. We knew he was really locked in." Mm. I, so like, yeah. I like hearing and a that. lot of chirping from. Yeah, Malik. I like hearing yeah. that. But I was with you. I thought he'd shoot at least twenty times in that game. Well, it yeah. was funny. Vegas had uh, they said I, somebody like tweeted at me that Malik's over under point total was nineteen and a half for that game, and I was like, "Oh my god, that mm-hmm. is." The most obvious over, because Mal- yeah, I like Malik is going to be trying to get seventeen, 17. right? Yeah, he got seventeen. So I was like, I was shocked. Tough yeah. nights for bet for betters. I think the line was thirteen, and what was it a twelve point win? Oh yeah, because the last little yeah. foul there. That's what you get <laughs> so for gambling dumb. on sports. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you wouldn't have even thought Malik might not shoot a great percentage, but he would just take enough shots to get to twenty. Right. Well, let's let's go ahead and we'll sort of project what we expect of Malik Beasley with the Timberwolves, assuming that they're going to try to keep him, which I think they will. Mm-hmm. I mean, restricted free agent, you generally get to keep those guys. To me, he's going to be their third guy. I mean, you have the team is D'Angelo and Carl Anthony Towns. Those are your stars. And maybe down the line you get a third star because I don't think Beasley's a third star. But I think right now I think he's going to be their third best scorer. And so for me, he's a huge – that's a huge piece of the team that they're adding. I expect him to be a guy that puts up 40-point nights on occasion. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he has that in him. He's a guy that they might even feature, you know, have a playbook for Malik Beasley that you gotta, that you kind of start to unspiral. He's obviously a great shooter. 
great athlete with a lot of length. I think he can be a little bit of a pick and roll player. Not not a primary, maybe not even a secondary, but I don't think he's a guy that you're like, don't ever go into a pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And just because of that, you have Carl Anthony Towns. I, I, I think he's going to be a very, very good player for Minnesota. I think so. So the questions, the two main questions are for the Minnesota angle is can he be a third best player? And you're like, well, yeah, you could be a third best player on a team that has 16 yeah. wins right now, sure. Right. Yeah. But th- thinking that they have, you know, the goal of becoming a team, you know, maybe next year with a winning record, 500. Like, at, at what point, like, at what win total threshold yeah. does Malik have That's to move down question. to your fourth mm-hmm. or fifth guy on the team? I would say 500. I think he's the third yeah. best player on a 500 team. Yeah. So then that leads to the second question, which is now, if you're paying him. If you throw like 460 at him, is, you know, when you already have D'Lo and Cat on a max, you're kind of ask, you're demanding that, you know, you probably at least be your fourth best player. And I think, from my opinion, in like an ideal, ideal situation, he's like a really good sixth man who's yeah. maybe like your mm-hmm. fifth best player sure. sort of deal. But it's just, I mean, the Wolves are a long way away from that, you know, that spot. But I don't know. I, I need to learn more about what he can be like in a team concept, and then particularly what he – a huge question for Minnesota is what can he be defensively? I, I think the thing I would say about him is I think he's mistake-prone, and that's the, that's part of like – that's one of the lines for a star player, right? Your, your star players can't make a ton of mistakes, and for, for me, he's going to be a high variance. He's going to have some great nights and some nights where you're like he didn't really give you much, and so that's why I think third best player on a 500 team because you're going to get about seven or eight games a year where you're like, wow, he gave us nothing tonight, and, and you just lose those games. Right. Um, but uh, here's the thing: if you had, if your cornerstone pieces were LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Malik Beasley is incredibly valuable because he yeah. does not miss open shots, and he's going to get a lot of them. Your best players are D'Angelo and Towns, and while I think those guys are both good, they're not. I don't know that you're going to have the D'Angelo Towns pick and roll that's like, oh man, just pick your poison, whatever. It's going to be very good, but I don't think it's like Anthony Davis, and LeBron James, where it's like we have to send three bodies at that pick and roll at all times. See, I, I think it could. I think it could get to that point with, with D'Angelo and Towns. I mean, it, other side of the ball, we can get to that. That ne- yeah, <laughs> negates yeah. a lot of the value there. They're going to commit to trying to make it that yeah. dynamic. It is going to be something that, if it's clicking, they're going to run high pick and roll over, like, over and over and over again. And then if a team does react with three guys, then you have Malik, which is that secondary option as a pick and roll guy or there's the shot. Here's where, I, well, I, where I'm going to draw a difference from – from the two examples we're, we're talking about, LeBron and AD and, and D'Angelo. LeBron and AD are very, very skilled. So if you guard them athletically, you match up with them, they still are skilled enough to score yeah. on you anyway. I think D'Angelo and Towns, while Towns is athletic, he's not like Anthony Davis. Not at all. And so, But he's really skilled. So he's going to beat you on skill, but that's just a little bit harder, I think. I want to be clear. I'm not, I, I don't want to <laughs> say that Cat and D'Lo are as good as LeBron and AD <laughs> in a pick and roll. But I, I do think that... They're going to certainly try to make it as dynamic as possible. Yeah. So that's why I, I that's why I think that the fit as like a third option. I just think you're going to maybe need a little bit more from your third option ultimately. And then your point about him being a six man is pretty good because he is a volume shooter right now. Yep. I think he's shooting a little more now than he will. I think right now he's got a green light and a very the happy greenest of the lights. greenest of lights, and it's not always going to well, be. Well, he's also green. on the contract year green light too. Which is the greenest of green? It's funny every time we, you know, we've asked any of like D'Lo or whoever in the locker room about what Malik, like what Malik's doing, and the, they go, "Well, he's playing for something. 
he's yeah. playing for something and the implication obviously of like you know he's trying to put together because he didn't have the opportunity in denver right, to right. like put up 20, we start 18 games. games to get that 60 mil right exactly yeah. like, what's so funny to me about that is if i look at malik beasley i know every front office is different 10 years ago oh he's putting up 20 a game like okay he's worth x amount that meant something but i feel like teams are a little smarter now they're like yeah he's not going to be a 20 shot per game guy when everybody's healthy we need him to demonstrate other things that aren't so it's funny to me that he would gun when it's like i really want to see can you run pick and roll can you defend um, I think the defense is a, yeah that's a huge question i mean just be it is for every timberwolves player mm-hmm. d and cat are like objectively bad defenders so the defense yeah. thing is funny with malik because he should have all the tools like physically he's got pretty good length he's only what six five but he's got pretty good but he's length. So athletic. he's strong he's yeah. athletic quick he's he has been a good one-on-one defender in the past but you know where he's really struggled is from a team concept and that has been probably the biggest thing that kept him off the floor in denver uh, he gets he, lost yeah he, he gets lost his feet like get frozen yeah like his brain is you thinking brain you can tell he's yeah. always thinking yeah. a lot I, I was like going back and having watched some and like Watching him play with Porter sometimes, who is pretty clearly doesn't know exactly what he's supposed yeah, to be doing defensively. There's like these situations where Malik needed to like, you know, compensate for for MPJ, and and he just like didn't. His feet would just be frozen, and he would just stay above the break when it's like this guy's wide open in the corner because MPJ is out of position. And so it's like that's what the Wolves need. I guess is my point is they need a guy who can make up for somebody who's going to have defensive errors. Like, Cat and D'Lo not are sure, going to have defensive Not sure errors. they have that guy on the roster just yet, but I think that's also fine. Like, there's layers to building this, and here's one thing I'll say. Defense, I think, is the funniest. We talk about defense and analyze it, I think, the worst of everything we, we do. 100%. So, we often think, like, he gets lost as a help side defender. That's true. It's a weakness. Or he can't keep a guy in front of him. Like, okay, that's, that's a weakness some players have, whatever. But I think defense is so much more about the combination of the talents on the court. And Kogi is an incredible athlete. Beasley is an incredible athlete. Towns is an incredible athlete in a, in a different way. There is this thing where like the sum becomes greater than the parts when you add a bunch of athletes together because you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but you're going to have these guys that are just always a threat yeah, to you like can cover shoot a lot the of gap. ground. And make, so yeah. you give up a lot of dunks, but you get a lot of steals. And uh, so to me, it is a real concern because, like you said. D'Angelo and Towns are bad defenders, yep. and yet you're one in your five, and it's so hard to have a one in a five that's bad. But can you create something that's just different? So I, I wanted to get to this later, but I think it's a good time of asking. I mean, the Wolves have been terrible defensively in this, the Towns era, and uh, the direct comparison to make, as it was a few years ago, was was Jokic. And you know the, the Nuggets were 29th in defensive rating in 16-17, I think like 25th in 17-18, kind of where the Wolves have been. And now they've made this huge jump to mm-hmm. a very competent defense bordering on good. And to me, it's, it's so – every time I'm watching a Nuggets game, that I think about how they're using Jokic versus the way that the Wolves are using Cat. And what the change was is they, they started using Jokic schematically different in, in, their, in their schemes. I mean, it was. Like, I mean, it was much more of a drop in the pet. No, you disagree? I mean, I, he's playing up to touch. Sure. He plays up on him, but he played up on him several years ago. Not as much now. Now it's like okay. Every well, Cat is always drop, always deep drop. Yeah. There's no nothing else. They are running, they are running that, and it's never worked. But here's here's so here's the thing about it because I think we also simplify just from an X's, X's no standpoint. Yeah. We sometimes simplify like 
there's drop and there's up. There's a million different variations and skill sets and, and mm-hmm. instincts. And I know it's Jokic. Sometimes they wanted him to play up and he would drop. And it, it's because it's easy to drop. It just takes no effort. It literally is playing free safety. But wouldn't you say the change would be how the other players on the floor are now have reacted to the way that they're using Jokic? Sure, On, sure. on the it's back a, line? There's a ripple effect to yeah. all of it. Yeah, there's well, that's there's where the Wolves effect. are terrible is yeah. once, once it starts rippling. And, and it cat, if Cat messes anything up, they, have, they don't have a, a Torrey Craig on the back line. They well, don't have a Gary and Harris. And this is kind of where I was going with it. The Nuggets improvement just so ha- defensively just so happened to coincide almost perfectly with, with Paul Millsap arriving. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that to me, like you, again, we're talking about puzzle pieces. I've always thought that Jokic's defense was a lot better than people thought. It's gotten even better over the years, but it was better. Denver had some pieces in place, but they were missing like the one piece. They were missing the foundational piece that unlocked everything else. Millsap's arrival it's like, oh, all this stuff that Jokic does now, he's not getting punished on the back end, and now it's successful. So, so if you're Gerson Rosas, the Timberwolves, yeah, yeah, president yeah, yeah. of basketball operations, is is that the, the position, the player that you're most targeting? Is a Paul Millsap? Well, Paul Millsap's a free agent. Also. Yeah, that would be, an well, that would be so interesting. Also, wasn't he a target when he signed with Denver? Yeah. Wasn't oh, he yeah, Minnesota? he was, it was. There, So that's a fun little... But, alternative but universe. He, now he's going to be 36 this summer. Like, yeah, is that a different point? But I yeah, don't. you want a guy who who is ca- not just capable but smart enough, right, to to sort of mitigate. But, but here's the one thing I'll say is, I, I think Denver did it right by building around Jokic first <coughs> and then bringing in Paul Millsap because yeah. I do think if they would have brought Millsap even just a year earlier, it maybe takes away from like right. oh now it's Millsap's. Remember when Millsap arrived, Jokic was like it's Millsap's team. He's a four time All Star, and it took a little bit. The Timberwolves have established a little bit of this identity now, but I look at the team they have. Next year is a whole new team. Like yeah. we, we probably won't see it until next year, and it'll, and I feel like there almost might be some value to trying to put those pieces in place. And then if you can, in, if it's a star level play like an Al Horford, for example, or something sure. like that, there's so, there's something to establishing early and then adding that piece to me. But I think some people in Minnesota think about, or just naturally think about Wancho. As uh, at that backline position, yeah, playing next wouldn't. to Cat. So I know. I mean, I, I see you yeah. shaking your head. I mean, my my take is that he's not going to be able to be that Paul Millsap yeah. special sauce. But but I guess how bad is it? Is is he going to contribute to a leaky Cat defense? Really bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, like uh, the worst possible. So as I said earlier, that the, <laughs> the worst possible. The, the, like, but great offensively. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. There, we'll there get there. a little yeah. in one hand yeah. out the other. I, right? I mean, no. <laughs> the, the main reason why Malik couldn't stay on the floor consistently was team defense, and you know, Wancho's probably in a similar boat. Like, and he might be even worse, just like yeah. individually on the ball. Malik has, you know, because Malik is, you know, ha- wa- has that athleticism. I think Wancho has the tools too in this one way. He's very long. He's six nine. He's long, and he's super mobile. Like, even on the defensive end, he's just long. So he's another guy that we talk about the Nuggets. Jokic and the long boys is, like, our new belief that the Nuggets' best option is just to put, like, a bunch of really tall players around Jokic, and then you're going to have a good defense no matter what. And I think there's some truth to that with Wancho, too. Like, if you had a, you know, like a Wancho, Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig, uh, P.J. Dozier lineup, like, that lineup's going to defend because everybody is so long. Mm-hmm. Um Similar things in, in – but you're talking about a starting power forward, and I don't think anybody in Minnesota even thinks Wancho's a starting power forward on a – Well, I think some people do, and I think the point I'm trying to make is, like, if they bring Wancho back, it should be in, like, a seventh-man backup. No doubt about yeah, it. Power he, forward. He is going to be part of your death offensive lineup. Like, I think that. Like, he's going to be one of those guys – the fifth option on a great offensive lineup. Right. But you're not going to go into the playoffs. I, 
If you are, you're probably giving up a ton of points, so you better be on fire for four out of seven games. So what do you pay that guy, then? Not a lot. Uh, Wancho? Well, what were you guys thinking for Wancho's market value? Three, three and 12? Yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah Six I million a year, maybe. Five million a year. So that's what I've been saying. And people have been, like, bumping it, like, all the way up to, like, the full mid-level in, I don't, I in mean, the conversations. I don't know. I don't know who is going to give Wancho more than I think people again I think people like the skill set six nine shooter and here's the thing about so we can talk about him a little bit I I love one I'm a huge Mm -hmm. believer. I'm probably the biggest like believer in his skill set which is funny because it sounds like in Minnesota they're wanting to pay him a lot more but I'm a believer in him the same way I was a believer in Lonzo he's really good at this one role it's not a star role it's not a starter role but he's really good at what he does and sometimes it's good to have a great seventh man than it is to have a bad third option guy and so for me, when I'm so high on him, that's part of why. I think he's going to be off the bench 15 to 20 minutes a game, less than that in the playoffs, but he's going to be like, oh, he's in. You better have a good defensive lineup to combat it because otherwise right. Minnesota's going to score 20 points in a row. Right. Um, Another great part about Wancho, and this was always my favorite part about him, he knows his role. Oh, like, yeah. Wancho is just the consummate role player. He's never going to take too many shots. He's never going to be a super high usage guy because he knows – that's not what he's he, best at. And he's also a great, quick decision maker. Uh, yeah, he's a yep. very smart player. It's been my favorite part. And, um, you know, he'll get it, and immediately he'll know if he's going to pass, shoot, or attack. He's not a ball stopper. So he is the ultimate, like, link in a chain yeah, type guy. Absolutely. So he, you think, like, from a personality standpoint, he'd be very cool with coming off the bench next year? All right. I don't, oh, I don't for sure. Mean, as long as he was playing, because I think in Denver he was... Consistently playing, like a, a yeah. similar role game to game? 15 to 20 minutes, and, and if he's on fire, he'll play 30, but... Right. He's not but, expecting to start. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's and, expecting... And, and, like and I think a reason why he's been a pretty good shooter out of the gate for Minnesota, and was a terrible one in Denver, is because in Denver, his confidence was broken. You know, he was in and out of the lineup for four years. He needed to go in, and if he got an open yeah. three and missed it, it was like, okay, not Wancho today. And it's- yeah, and, and he was always, like, in and out of the rotation. Like, is, you know, is he going to get yanked for a Well, mistake? like, last night he would have totally got yanked. He played terrible last for night. For sure. When, yeah. when he came for back. For sure. But, but, he was, but Ryan kept trying to yeah. put him back in. He like, was he was always the guy, oh, miss a shot, look at the bench, am I coming yeah, out? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's no surprise that with – now that the organization and coaching staff has a lot of confidence in him, those shots are going in. He was a starter on the Spain team, the summer that won gold. And yeah. I know that's, you know, whatever, FIBA, we, people can say whatever, but he, he is the type of player that can be around other great players and fit in. If he was next to Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert, I could say, okay, I could see a starting role. Your other five guy, four guys have to be really good, mm. but he can be the fifth option on that team. But you're Towns. You need defense in that four spot, mm. not offense. You need both, but you right. especially need the defense. And he's he's not going to save Towns. That's that's the, that's the right. Key. Well, that's you know that's a good piece of context because it just in Minnesota, it's so about any Malik, Wancho, whoever they draft, whoever they get in free agency. Like the question they're clearly trying to answer is how well do you fit with Cat? And that was the question in Denver. For you know that's always been the question for the last two three years. But again, and they've nailed the answers to that. Yeah, but again, they have he nailed fits, a lot. He fits really well with Cat, just not as a starter. He, mm-hmm, you right. know, talent. You need the backside. You need the Millsap with Jokic. But we always love the Jokic lineups without Millsap because that's when the Nuggets with the shooters they just go off oh, offensively yeah. and they give up a lot. But it's like you know what? End of the first quarter, we can afford a little lackadaisical defense if we can score yeah. not three straight threes in a row to end the quarter. Like great. Yeah, I don't think you got two guys that are going to change things defensively. But if you're talking about building some dynamic pick and roll with gravity around two talented offensive players, 
These are two knockdown shooters. Right. So if you, because you guys mentioned Paul Millsap's a free agent, and that role is probably, assuming he leaves, would be a role that they're going to need to replace. And if we say the Wolves are theoretically need a Paul Millsap, like who are the who are the other players in the league hmm. who who like fit that archetype? So the top end is Draymond Green. Yeah. Like I think Draymond Green's the single guy better at the Millsap role than Millsap. Um, but it's hard after that, right? Like it does get really hard. Yeah, it does get really hard. Paul after Millsap that. was really at like the perfect point in his career to come to Denver and play that exact role. Because the other thing about Millsap, and I'm with Adam, I always thought Jokic was a little underrated as a defender. But early on in Jokic's career, he didn't give a shit about defense. And I don't know if this is Towns's case at all, but when Paul Millsap got here. Like, Millsap was a multi-time, all-defensive guy. He, like, preached defense from day one. He got kind of the rest of the guys yeah. and Jokic to buy in on the defensive end, really, for the first time. Like, before Millsap got here, Jokic just didn't really care about defense. Um, but but Millsap got him to buy in. So, so that's definitely the type of guy to put around Towns. Your, your top-end guys are like your Pascal Siakams. But you're going to have – Tristan Thompson would be an interesting one to me. Um, you know, he's not going to space the floor, but I actually think at the four spot, that's not when you have cat. I, I don't think it's as important. I Often, don't think normally it's as important, but I think to Rosa as it is. They're like, you know, what's funny about that. I have such a take about this. Yeah. We overvalue the shooting from your front court and undervalue offensive rebounding in this one way. You can't send three, four guys to offensive glass anymore. You just can't one. But if you have one guy that just requires you to box him out every time, it's it's a killer, and Tristan Thompson's that guy. He's one of the best offensive rebounders True. in the league, and he's a good. He can rotate, block shots, protect the rim, or whatever. Mm. So to me, he's another guy that like free agent, right? Free agent. So yeah. if you ran picking, but he's going to cost a lot of money too. I mean, he would end up having to maybe be your third guy, and it would be yeah. Again, it's tough, but maybe. Here's the thing, Kenneth. I always tell people this: the number one pairing in the front court with Jokic over the years, offensively, was Kenneth Freed. Mm couldn't shoot outside of the dunk like he really right. couldn't even do a but flip shot a beast rebounder. but he rebounded everything so you had to just guard like you you basically played four on four because you had to have one guy boxing kenneth freed out as yeah. soon as the ball went in the paint and i think with towns it would be similar so, so tristan could be a guy that maybe makes a little bit sense in in that regard what is the next kind of like fantasy in minnesota so there's d now alongside Ta is there a clear picture of like the brightest timeline who becomes well, that third everyone's guy? talking about devin booker right for, mm, yeah i mean i mean yeah, yeah i just you know sure, if you that's it, what the answer is yeah it, it doesn't make you know, sense no 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 it does you know what i'm rooting for this get him Start Beasley at the three, Wancho at the four, and just just do it. Just go for it. <laughs> How? Okay. Just go for it, well, man. Well, they they already are going for the. We're trying to be the best offense in the league and yeah, defense. Yeah. Like, okay, so so Rosas came in when he when he got hired. He did had his press conference, and he like explicitly said, to be a playoff team, you got to be top ten in offense, top ten in defense, and if you want to be a contender, you got to be top five, top five. And now after the D'Lo trade at his, the D'Lo press conference. He started talking about net impact. Oh yeah, mm. so it. it shifts <laughs> yeah. down to like, you know, I'm the implications are, which I mean, are, I mean, it's what Houston did. It's what the Rockets did. Yeah. They, when they won 65 games, number one in the West, they were like number one in offense and like I think seventh or eighth in in defense. And it's kind of like, I mean, the Nuggets are are a little bit more balanced, but you gotta, I don't know, it's just a, it's a bold play to just be like, we don't have very good defenders. <laughs> we're maybe best, yeah. like best case, like 19th in defense. Like what is your, what is the ceiling for a team who is below average defensively? And I mean, that's the path they're like very clearly on right now. Well, if nothing else, it'll make the walls more fun. 
which might be oh yeah might be a I significant Booker Delo Towns yeah. you'll be in the playoffs every okay but year. that's the, I don't even want that's the, I don't even want to play but with I'll, this fantasy <laughs> it's yeah. how do you get yeah. another Max guy why is Phoenix just gonna be like sure take him I'm Booker wait yeah we gotta throw thirty million back at him in salary oh yeah we got James Johnson pretty unrealistic Jerk Culver he can't play at all but here take him like no it's not happening here's what I would say the types that we're talking about though are generally speaking guys that have come from obscurity. So yes, it'd be great to get a Paul Millsap in his prime <clears> or whatever. But Paul Millsap was in Utah and not playing, and he went to Atlanta and he's a sixty-win uh, team and is like, oh, this guy's actually great. Point. Draymond Green was not. He was benched for David Lee, and he gets his chance. And it's like, oh wow, this guy's awesome. I think there's something too. That role and that guy is probably a guy you pluck from obscurity or develop internally, and it's like you got the, maybe it's a guy that's been in the league four years. It has. I'm, lo- I'm looking through the list, and the, the the guy that kind of popped out to me, it's kind of funny, Harry Giles, who I think is a really, really talented player, but it, 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 the train is kind of yeah. moving away from him because as, as, as the time goes on. And I wonder if it's one of those things, it's like, look, in an alternative universe, four years into your career, you might have actually been an offensive player, mm-hmm. like a really good one, but it hasn't worked out. Can we make you Paul Millsap? Can, yeah. can you become a guy that's like, dude, we have Towns, we have D'Angelo, go become this elite backside defender and we'll get you points later on. So do you guys view this as like different in the like where we're talking about whether it's Thompson or Giles for in the Wolves lens, like do the Nuggets not need that? Do they not need the well, They've got role? Jeremy Grant who's gonna step into that role most likely. It'll, uh, but it'll change the team though. Yeah. Paul Millsap is a lot better at that specific thing than than Jeremy Grant is. The question is, can Grant be better at something else and like okay, you're Worse on the backside, but you're better on ball. It, it's just going to be. And different. at some point, Millsap's just getting old. Like that's, you, you, well, that's you, it's just that's like your biggest factor. I mean, he's already missed thirty games. Because if he wasn't, games, then so. it's a, it's a no brainer. You resign Millsap. He's right. the right guy. And Denver might still anyway. I mean, right. We'll find right. out with, which right. direction they go. Um, oddly enough, you want to know one option that that might work? You guys are going. This is going to make you laugh so hard. Is it, Har- is it Harry Giles? No. <laughs> no, that was that one should make you laugh too. Mason Plumley. And here's why. Denver's probably not going to need him next year. Mm. He's not an expensive player. Like, yeah. And it sounds weird playing the two centers. Dominant with Jokic. The two-center lineup has been dominant over the last two and a half, three seasons. Put shooters out there with him. You, you need to put shoot spacing around there. But same thing. Mason Plumlee knows how to rotate on the backside. He's not great, but he's good enough at it. He's athletic enough at it. And he's an offensive rebounding monster. So so all, all my listeners know that I've been harping on playing two bigs together the, the whole year. And, and, I mean, like – they had Gorgie Noah Vonley was playing kind of well at the beginning of the year. Gorgie Jang was played well too, but they never played those guys mm. next to Cat. And they just said, I mean, what what Ryan says is we're playing a point guard, three wings, and a big. And they never relented from that. So it's like there's in a vacuum, Adam. Yeah, there like, you go. <laughs> Cheers. And, uh, it like I'm with you. It, it totally it totally makes sense. And I think those are where you would find more like a center would be that Paul Millsap backline help. But every indication I've got is like that's not what they're gonna do. Yeah, is they don't. That's not their philosophy. That's not their philosophy, and I don't know. But their philosophy, like, kind of was all right. Well, we're gonna shift Robert Covington up to from a small forward to a power forward because you know he's a really good defender. But that worked terribly. I mean, Cat's worst defensive rating was with Robert Covington. My, my biggest question is Minnesota just building Houston Rockets north. Yeah, I was going to say, I just feel like they're just going to end up switching, and like it's not going to be a great defense, but yeah. at least it's just going to be like a – They're city. not going to end up switching. That's the really? thing. Huh. Yes. I mean, so that I wrote before From the year. From a personnel play style standpoint. It's – what I wrote 
at the beginning of the year, and I think it's proven to be true, is the Wolves are trying to emulate the Brooklyn Nets on offense. All like they mm. hired Pablo Prigioni's their offensive mm. coordinator. He was in Brooklyn before. Couple of their executives. That, yeah. That's great. That's I, well, awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> so he, he is. He, they call him the offensive coordinator. That's great. Then they brought in David Vanterpool, who was uh, uh, in Portland and kind of turned Nurkic, who you guys are familiar with, into like a really solid defensive center in that team. And then from a front office standpoint, they're going to be Houston, where they're mm. just going to gun for stars and then like bottom the bin for the you know the the rest of the guys. And so it's they're Houston in that way. And I think that's what we're seeing with the D'Angelo Russell move. But, like, from a – it's just different, like, style of play. Like, you can say Cat and Harden are both, like, these dynamic offensive players, but they, they're they not switching at all. I mean, Cat mm, at, at, at all. Malik Beasley's Eric Gordon. I, honestly, mm. dude, that's the, that's, the, that's the one I've said. And that's yeah. what I'm talking about, that six-man kind of role thing. Like, I think that's peak – Malik. Like the peak version of Malik, peak version of this yep. team. I don't know how you round out the other spots to like move him down to sixth, but to me, that's if we're making the Houston comparison, that's that's what Malik is. He'd be such a good rocket. That's all I was gonna say. <laughs> he would. The one other thing about Malik is starting is really important to him. Very important to him. I've noticed. <laughs> um, like that was a big thing with him in Denver. Yeah, yeah I, it, I think he was really pissed off that he never got really, really an, an opportunity to start. Other than the fact that, you know, when Gary Harris was injured, he was the starter, of course, but never really got a chance to be like the starting three, but for his, example. His skill set is conducive to being a fourth, fifth best guy, right, in a yeah, starting line. So. Just hit the open shot. So yeah. there's a world in which he can start without being It's a, so hard a to be NBA with salary cap restrictions because what we're talking about is he's good enough to be paid like, you know, a fourth or fifth best player. Right. But if you're going to win a championship, he needs to be paid like your sixth or seventh best mm-hmm. player. You know, that's... Fifth, sixth, or seventh best player, and, and that's what's just so hard about if, it. If you're Denver, every, that's how you got to this place. Every right? championship contender that's not in L.A. ends up having players that are just, like, so underpaid. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, both extremely underpaid, and you get to build a superstar roster. So, at some and, point. And to a lesser degree, and, like, Denver, too. I mean, we were talking about Monte. Like, Oh, yeah. You, you know, I mean, him. it's to a lesser degree because it's no, coming but off Denver the bench. Denver had, like, five Monte. I mean, Torrey Craig plays a ton of minutes, same thing. He was a two-way guy that got yeah. converted, so – um, yeah, yeah. you got to hit on those. those He's got to hit value. on them. And then yeah. even they had Beasley and Wancho up until this year that were on rookie scale contracts, but they were, you know, they were pieces. So um, let's talk about Jared Vanderbilt real quick because we. Well, well, let's hit Vanderbilt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's hit Vanderbilt. I guess we're just going to we're gonna have to do breaks. Yeah, we'll just yeah, go yeah. mow through it. Um, but Vanderbilt, we barely got a chance to see, but we do at least know about him maybe a little bit more than, than you do. For sure. Because it's hard. <laughs> I've tried. It's, yeah. it's hard. So the thing about him is he was actually a very uh, a, a top high school recruit his junior season. He broke his foot. Um, and he was in the mold of a Ben Simmons, believe it or not. He, he has a really good handle. He's a, he's a really unique player, I would say, because he has a very interesting passer profile. He can make some high-level passes. High level he's kind of always looking to pass, and he can handle the ball. Not cleanly. Like he kind of looks rough, but it's effective. Like he's very quick, he's, and he can dribble up and down Where the That kind of popped in summer league, right? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. It really hasn't popped at the NBA level. It popped a lot, I, I would say, the high school and collegiate level. But I guess I'm just remembering watching a summer league game and being like, "Oh, Jared Vanderbilt is handling the can, ball." Can yeah. handle the ball. Yeah. Well, they tried to play him at point guard a little bit. Right. I, yeah. Tim Connolly told me if they had a G League team, Jared Vanderbilt would have been playing point guard the whole time. Well, so here's an interesting thing: is in theory, and, and Vanderbilt, so he missed the two years basically because he missed his high school year, his, like senior year of high school, and then he missed half of his collegiate year and when he got back you know how it is at Kentucky there's so many good players that Cal told him 
look, man, we don't have time to work you into this. Just go rebound. And what does he do? He sets a record for rebound rate. Yep. Like he he did it at an elite like, level, like twenty five percent. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. insane how how well he rebounded. So, I think he's a malleable guy. We talk about backline rotation guys. I don't know that he is has the feel for the game mm. of a Draymond, but he has the physical profile to kind of do it. Like he's thicker than I thought, just like being around him in person. And he's I think a he's horse. a workout guy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think he but just like he has the mobility is what I mean. I mean, he's 6'9", long wingspan, but he's super quick on his feet. So kind of like in the Jeremy Grant mold. Kind of in the Jeremy yeah. Grant yeah. mold and a very similar body to Jeremy yes. Grant too. And having a guy that can pass in that role, so it's Draymond-esque in that can he develop into a guy that like rolls, catches it, and can make the right quick pass? And I think he can. The, defensively, I don't think he's a smart defender, but he had two years off. So maybe, yeah. again, if you're Minnesota and you look at him and you say, this is our need, you try to start funneling him into that, it might be an avenue for him. I was kind of uh, – I, I just asked Ryan Saunders about him right afterwards. I was like, what position does Jared Vanderbilt play? Like, I was kind of thinking he might say, like, five. Mm. Just because, I mean, they're clearly going so small. You just saw last night. And I I thought it was informative that he said three, maybe some four. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, that's that's interesting. You're not, you're not putting, because, like I said before, it's like centers on this team, wings, Mm -hmm. point guard. And to to put him, like, in, like, functionally, like, Kata Bates-Diop was was playing, it, it, it doesn't, because he can't shoot, I w- yeah, I'm just surprised yeah. that that's how they're trying to do it. But it's the re- even worse. Thing. Even worse than shooting, though, he can't finish like layups. Around the rim, his, yeah. his touch he doesn't have the feel. If he just couldn't shoot, you know, okay, like we're talking about with Tristan Thompson, there's a role there. But he's like an offensive rebound, then to go back up and miss the putback. Yeah. But isn't that kind of the whole like you said? You find these guys in obscurity. No, no. yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, apparently, he killed hard, it at the G League showcase. Yeah. Here's the one thing I'll say about him, and I root for him because I really I think he's a great dude. Yeah. And I like good family, you know, all that stuff. Um, you miss 17 and 18 years old. Those are maybe the two biggest years of your life for development. Like that's yeah. when the years when players really develop and learn the game. And when I watch him play, I'm like, yeah, that's a guy that was really good in the like. I mean, think about it. Age 15 basketball is just not that good. Age right. 16, and he he was great that he was the best then, but he missed two very very prime years. And then these last two years, he's basically been in Denver not doing anything. But it, but if you're in Minnesota's position and he comes as a toss in in a trade, yeah, he's a, he's a flyer guy, right? There, yeah. There's yeah. probably something there that that we. I would seen. say he's the best type of throw-in yeah because he's still not probably not going to be anything under contract next year too for a minimum non-guaranteed i mean but he's a guy that at least has some tools there that hey we'll see if you can got some very intriguing tools very intriguing i was i was i don't know was talking to one of you guys and i was like i would have rather because kata bates diop is is functioning on the exact same contract and i thought i mean he was showing something here this year but maybe the thinking if if that was just like a one-for-one swap if like the wolves said we want vanderbilt and we'll send I, I'm curious who they would prioritize in that, and I think the answer would be Vanderbilt. But I think, like, Kata has a shot at being, like, a legitimate role player. Like, even even not – I mean, Denver's really good, so so maybe not, but go ahead. Let, well, I was going to say, let's actually pause there because okay. we just finished up with the uh, Minnesota guys. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, let's talk about the guys Denver got. Cool. And maybe there's a little bit more there than, uh, than what we've given them credit for. Mm-hmm. Right, back here with Dane Moore, Zone Coverage, Minnesota. If you're listening to Zane's pod, 
You're back here with Adam Mates, yeah, Bo Bo Nugget Nugget guys. yeah, 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 the, the DNVR Nuggets guys. Yeah, the guys are making fun of me. <laughs> so um, we've been a bit vague on the uh, <laughs> <laughs> nine out of ten. Trying to work it out. Yeah. No, but uh, it's time. Let's talk about Kata Bates, Diop, and Noah Vonley because when those guys arrived in Denver, we kind of all met it with like a, huh, all right. Mm-hmm. Those are just the pieces that made the salaries match, but I don't think you should, man. Okay. I, I really don't, and maybe that's because I'm just too stuck in like Minnesota ways of like that's all you're looking at is like, oh, can we find a, a right, nice right. minimum guy, right? right. Mm. But um, but I mean, on if it was other guys like like Shabazz Napier or something like that, like Kada and Noah have discernible NBA skill sets, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I always say for a guy in the minimum. Show me one thing that you can for sure do mm-hmm. in the league, and you're worth a minimum contract. And and with Kada, like, he can cut. He can cut, and he was shooting the ball well this year. And you, if you go back and look at his numbers last year, like, the Wolves were tanking, and he shot, like, 25%, all, all in, like, the last 10 games of the season playing with terrible players. Like, I'd throw that out. When he played – when he was playing in Minnesota – he was shooting it really well, particularly from the corners. I think he's a guy, once you go above the break, that extra couple feet messes him up. He's got a funky shot mechanics. I don't know if you've yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not pretty. But the dude is smart. He was really good at Ohio, at Ohio State. He's like a smart person because sometimes you have a smart basketball player. It's not the same, but he's both, you're, you're saying. He is. I, I, I really think so. And he's definitely like not the athlete of the a lot of the other forwards that you guys have. But I remember just talking about it with Minnesota media people there, and we're like, well, I don't know if he's actually going to play in Denver this year, but what we've seen him be good at sounds like something that would really fit next to Nikola Jokic. Mm. I, I, can he be Tory Craig? That's kind of like He's my so question. much taller and longer. Yeah, yeah he, he has six? a 7'3 wingspan, yeah, over 7'3 yeah. wingspan. He looks like Al Farouk Amino on the court physically. Like He's just like very long. That's like Al Farouk Amino. He's yeah, not that sure. tall, but he just looks so long. So. You know, people always say, like, this guy's so long, and we, like, equate wingspan and length to defense. This weird thing about, like, Kata and his length is he uses, <laughs> he uses it really well offensively hmm. to, like, get his shot up over people. Like, he, he <laughs> it sounds weird, but he, Jimmy like, Curry moves his that. arms really fast and, like, to get up and, and finish at the rim. He he will just, like, sneakily finish over people. And when, which is, you normally think of that in a really athletic guy, and I wouldn't say kid is that, but there's just like a, I mean, numerous, numerous plays where I'm like, wow, he really just kind of went through the lane and effectively used his size and like, you know, the classic, like crafty sort of way. But I mean, I, I saw him to be an effective player that I think will be in the league, you know. Like, I don't think this is his last NBA mm-hmm. deal. It's curious to me that he's the one guy that's not active because McCray was active and not and Vonley was active and Kato wasn't. I, I think it's because Vonley, I don't know, the roles right now, right? McCray, because you can say, okay, he's a shooter and we need that. Right. Vonley, like, big backup or whatever, proxy there, I guess. But it, I mean, you were, pl- you were playing Minnesota, though. Like, you didn't need big men. That, that was the reason why I was Right, like, I guess confused. that's true. So yeah, they could do it game so, by game. So Kada, I, yeah. I I get the like my first impression talking to people after they got Kada was like, like we actually like this guy and, and he could be a piece for you know years to come. Like he's under contract next year. Could resign him for cheap after that. You were talking about this, Dane. His basketball IQ and I have always felt like that's something that this Nuggets front office has prioritized. Mm-hmm. One probably shooting, two maybe basketball IQ. Just over the last three four years, yeah, I would say two is character, three is. 
It's funny. Yeah, that you maybe he's his. a character guy. I mean, yeah, and and so from that sense, I think feel like he fits in just with the current roster from from you know a character standpoint and from a basketball IQ standpoint. Oh, I think you laughed when I said character, but think about it, like what's the worst no, no, character you're right. person you're right. brought in over I the last right. four years? Like, it's, I don't even know if there's like an answer to that. Maybe yeah. it's Jordan McRae. <laughs> yeah, my, my, I mean, based on I don't know enough about it, but based <laughs> I'm on my no, 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 a little there. kerfuffle after after the game, it seemed. Um, but <laughs> we're over that. We, yeah, we, well, because I, I don't know. No, I'm no, not, no, I, I'm I, not I, brushing yeah. over that for any other reason other than like I don't have anything to report on. Yeah, if it. I knew yeah. more, if I knew yeah. more, I would absolutely report it. But there's nothing that was on record with it. There's nothing off record. Um, but <laughs> weirdly, it might be Malik Beasley, who's like a good. Yeah. I think he's good. Mm-hmm. Just the like, clutch thing. Yeah, and it, no, he's just—he's good. Like, I, I, he's not even bad. He's yeah. just maybe the least good, I guess. I don't know in a weird way. Right, like know. he just has a little bit more of like a superstar mentality. Yeah, when, for when sure. even your guys' superstars seem to have role player mentality. Oh, no right. doubt about it. That's a great yeah. way. So, of so there's it. a world in which KDP fits into Long Jokic and the Long Boys, right? Is that uh, kind of what we're getting is, at? This here? is kind of what I'm getting at. And Dude, here, I, I bet, like, if we when we like run into each other at summer league, you guys would be like. I do like Kata. Like mm. I, I, did, or I, or maybe it's another year down the road. I would just be shocked if you go, this guy can't play at all. Mm. What is yeah. he four? He's a four. Yeah, I think he can. He, but he he was defending like smaller guys. Um, they kind of used him as like a three four kind of like they were doing with Jake Layman. So, but they would really pick who they would have guys defend. And and there's like one game where he guarded Devin Booker the whole time. And mm. and he he uses he's again I'm not saying he's quick but he uses his length well in, in those situations to like I actually think he's better at guarding smaller guys than he is yeah like he'll get he'll get beat up if he slides up to guarding like a Paul Five Millsap like Paul Millsap oh, would okay. would put him in the really? rim okay. yeah and I think he did actually in uh, when they played at uh, when they played in Minnesota hmm. like he's he's a little soft I wonder if you could get a three four rotation that featured Grant Kata and MPJ to where like okay MPJ and Grant are starting. But you can bring Kata in at the three alongside Grant, and then you could bring MPJ back in and slide him over so that those four, those three are always rotating. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I just worked. didn't like how they used him in that San Antonio game in the Phoenix game where he was just playing with, like, it was just him and Millsap in the front court. Like, Yeah, well, they were so – That's um, too small. They were so down so many guys. That's probably why they had but that's, to. It, so far in Denver, that's all he's played. Yeah, well, maybe they just view him as, as a four. And like in that, it's almost game. like a five though in that situation when you're like with Millsap, like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Here's one thing I'll say though that's interesting: cutting is obviously huge. IQ is and cutting kind of go hand in hand because mm-hmm. it's all about knowing the angles, knowing the timing, and all that stuff. But the length is especially in- interesting to me for this one reason: there's nothing Jokic likes more than passing to tall cutters. Mm-hmm. That's why he loved Wancho. One of the reasons he loved Wancho, he was great throwing cuts to Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari. Because Jokic is like a quarterback, he throws that fade route, and if you are taller than the guy, there's so much. It's so much easier to throw that. So yeah. that is Kata's number one skill set. We're talking. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the thing that he's best at. That's, that is tasty. That is tasty. I wonder if we're going to get a chance to see it. I mean, I'm really curious to the the problem. He's going to have the exact same problem yeah. that Juan Gomez did, which is that there's just so many guys. I mean, yeah, you we're probably Tori, not going to see it. This I, I don't think you will either. No. He's, I will say though, his role was erratic in Minnesota also. Like he was, and he was even down in the G league and stuff. And he wasn't, he was kind of fine coming in and out of the rotation. He was like one of those guys where you kind of knew what you're going to get out of him, No matter what, if it was just like for one night, someone's out, like he came in, you're like, Oh yeah, he, he can do the little he can do, but any can consistently do. Well, it. that's actually a kind of, kind of a read I've got on him. Like, 
if you need to turn to him, if you're like depleted by injuries, you can just go to him and you know he's not going to screw up. He's not going to make any big mistakes. He's just going to kind of keep you going. And he can just plug different holes for you. Yeah. And I feel like that might be one of his really good attributes. Here's a big question. Does he love basketball? I, I think so, yeah. You were asking me that last night. Just because he, he does have this really, like, sleepy vibe. He, he has, has a, a sleepy really vibe. sleepy vibe. But but I'll, I'll do the comparison of Andrew Wiggins had a really sleepy vibe. <laughs> okay. Very different sleepy vibe okay. than Andrew. Andrew Wiggins is not like basketball. It's more a personality thing with Katie. So that's Katie. real, huh? The Wiggins stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, I think we also say that about Kata because he we had somebody in Denver last year who there were those questions about who? Trey Trey Lyles and oh. he he had the sleepy. It might, honestly, with him, it might have also just been a sleepy vibe. But both of those guys just like big win. What'd you you know? Tell mm-hmm. us about the game. I don't know. Like, <laughs> okay, wow. well that that see, Kata is a talker. Like he's he's yeah. intellectual, um, and. Yeah, no, he. I think he's like there was on the road sleep, with, with, sleepy vibe that actually like does care about basketball. Okay, well, just, yeah. Lyle, no, I think that's Trey a fair Lyle's question. Instagram was always. But I know that we could, you could. I think actually this is bad information. Like it, <laughs> does, it doesn't make anything. But he would like. I just remember last year there was a month where he was making model cars, and it was like on the road where like you'd see guys that in the gym are doing this or that, and he was always like, "Look at my new truck I just put together. It took me twenty eight hours." And you're just like, uh, "All right." What's Trey going for doing for his birthday? He's he's going to see the trains. <laughs> Big train guy. I'm glad uh, that joke worked out. I didn't know where I was going with it. Until <laughs> uh, tell us about Noah Vonley. Absolute unit. Absolute unit. So um, he was kind of similar to when they signed him in the offseason. It's kind of like you know Wancho and Malik right now, where I'm like, all right, like Noah Vonley. I, I kind of like you know knew him coming out of the draft and that, but he I mean he's bounced around so much. That I went back and like actually it was in the middle of summer went back and watched a handful of like his bigger games um, on the Knicks and I was like, whoa, this guy is like, he's gunning for points. Yeah, like mm. he was, he was totally like, they, they were just giving him the ball top of the key all the time, and he was like trying to take guys off the dribble and he was shooting a bunch of threes from like above the break and none from the corner, which I thought was weird. Mm. And so I'm like, the Wolves offered him a multi-year deal. He turned it down to take a one-year, $2 million deal to get back out on the market, and I'm like, oh trouble. Like, uh, this guy's going to be hunting stats. Hmm. And that was all of our perception in Minnesota. And he came in and was, like, consummate pro, total role player of, like, okay, there's 12 minutes a game at the backup role behind Cat or whatever, 14, whatever Cat sits. And he never shot. He uh, – they again i was talking about before they ran this like super deep drop particularly at the beginning of the year they just had him get to the rim take away lobs like i'm thinking about the first first game of the season against brooklyn and you know they're trying to with jared allen deandre jordan just trying to throw lobs and noah was great at breaking those up the whole time what ended up happening was cat got in the fight with Embiid, got got suspended and and the wolves then played gorgie jang for the first time all season in those two games and jang played really well so then they gave Jang, mm. um, they gave Jang mm. Vonley's minutes, and then he was just kind of they're just because I said they're not playing two bigs, so they they like they liked Noah, and and he was like committed this year in Minnesota is all about like commit to the system. He was like committed to the system and the style of play, and um, and then he, there just wasn't there weren't minutes for him, but I thought it was really interesting. He completely stopped shooting threes. Like, he, he missed his first, like, 12 or 13 threes and just totally stopped. And so all he was in Minnesota 
was a defensive guy who like maybe grabbed a couple offensive rebounds. But he was it's so different than what he was for the Knicks last year. He was, when he just, was just trying, trying to, to survive his year at the Knicks, just keep himself entertained. <laughs> I, I guess, <laughs> but it was really weird. I, yeah. I thought I'm like, oh, this guy's about to sh- try and shoot. Like, so can he shoot? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Because he he, he hit a, he hit a have quarter you, three. Have you watched Lucas Twitter? Thought he was Go, a shooter look at, for like, like a week. Look at yeah. how I so I I was gonna write something on him before uh, before the the cat fight happened, and I ended up doing the, a one on one with him. I never ended up writing anything because he never played again. But I was like. <laughs> I was like, so I'm, um, you know, looking at your stuff, and you never shot corner, th- like never, like 90% of his threes in his career are like above the break, and 10% from the corners, which is really rare for a big. I was like, what is that? And he's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that, like that yeah. angle of the shot. And I was like, oh, that's weird. That, not how many players in the league, you know, would say that. But no, what he said, yeah. he was like, he was going to be building on. He's like, right now, I want them to like know I'm really good at this. Like one thing, and then I'll build on it as the season goes along. And he was never given the. I'd, I'd the love to see him and Jokic play together because I just don't think he's part of the plan. I think he was a throw-in. But I'm yeah. curious about next year for Denver because Plumlee's a free agent. Good chance they lose him. Um, I don't know that you necessarily need a a real backup, like somebody to play a ton of minutes. But if I think he's the type of guy you're probably going to need because he can, like you said, play 15 minutes at a high level. Oh, I think he's the perfect plumbing replacement. The, the nice, perfect one. Because he's but, a guy that you don't but, have to play every but night. But here's the thing. I love the jokic plumley combo, and I know that it is only born out of necessity this year, mm. but if it got born out of necessity you know, next year, they kept him. I just want to see what it looks like because here's one thing about Vonley. He can rebound. Yeah. He's a big boy, and he's, he's kind of mobile. Athlete. I wonder if he's a he really could, good athlete. I, like, just imagine him going up last night against Wancho. Yeah. Can he guard Wancho on the perimeter? I think there's a good chance he can because he's a pretty mobile guy, and Wancho's not like a killer. And, off and the he would have put he would have put Nas or Wancho in the rim just like and Jokic was. And that's mm-hmm. what I mean is like imagine Wancho trying to box out that that dude. I mean, just there's just he's no a chance. Unit, dude. He is an absolute <laughs> sure. unit. So he works really really good kid. He's like yeah. a really, really good kid yeah, and, and yeah. very, very, very hard, very hard worker. Which is again not what I expected at the year in, entering the year, but like very clearly a good guy. Um, the the thing where, to me where I think the Plumley Vonley comparison would break down is like Noah's a good athlete, but he, he's not really like a a high flyer yeah. in any sort of way. Like I, I wouldn't see him being like a lob threat. I don't think he. But Plumley's not a lob threat when he's playing with Jokic. Okay. I mean, they have a few lobs that make highlights, right, right, right. but they're not like running like plays like it. I mean, he really just plays the dunker, boxes out and rebounds, but he's really good at it. I mean, Plumlee's really strong, too. Noah Vonley, like, nobody can box him out. You yeah. have to commit to boxing him out, so I just wonder yeah. if you just said, hey, hang out at the baseline, Yoke's going to do his thing, and once the shot goes up, just try to grab it. Kind of like what they do with Grant, in a way. Grant plays more on the perimeter. Grant doesn't crash the boards. He's but but he kind of plays in the dunker, no? Some, not much. You'd okay. think. You'd think. You'd think. You, he, he looks like a guy that would play in the dunk. That's what's game. so hard about when you're, you know, I've probably watched like eight full Nuggets games this for year, sure. but you're like, what am I, you know, yeah, I don't know sure. if that's actually what it, it is. I'm like, this game, they were doing this. And Anytime oh. someone says something dumb about the team I cover, I just think about how all my takes about the other teams. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's, the I think, the 11th best rebounder on the team this year, statistically. Wow. So, yeah, it's like, wow. <laughs> he's, he's down there so, pretty so, Something about the Minnesota guys, and this is what I thought of right when they made the trade. Uh, Vonley and Keita Bates Diop, the the Nuggets have a bunch of guys coming up for free agency next year. Like Tory Craig, they had Malik Beasley and Wancho, obviously. Um, Monte's right there. Monte's right there. Mason Plumley as well. Paul Millsap. They will need a lot of guys to just fill out the roster that are super cheap. And that was really the first thing I thought of with Bates Diop and Vonley. Yeah. Like Vonley, you can probably resign for a minimum deal or very close to it. Keita Bates Diop's on a really cheap deal next year. 
So if these guys are just really low-cost pieces that can fill out your roster, that's not the worst well, thing, well, and they can play. Kate too. is already locked into it. Yeah. And and like yeah, I don't think Noah's done much. If if he if his market value was one year two million last year, like how did it how would it go up? Also, there's no centers. There's all those centers have been traded in this off. Like the, no team needs a center right mm-hmm. now or this off season. So right. um, yeah, his market might might be dried up. Um, let's round out. Let's finish up this conversation because another thing I thought this is where you're going. The guys, Vonley and, and Kata both talked about the culture in Denver, and I mm-hmm. think it's interesting, and this is where we can get to co- start contrasting both the organizations and their cornerstone pieces, Towns and Jokic. And, um, th- it's not fair to compare the situations because I think Minnesota has handled their build around Yo- uh, Towns very different than Denver. Denver had a much more patient approach, and Jokic was always the guy, like – they they did it well. Yeah, <laughs> Butler, as much as he's a great player, I think changed the way Towns was going because he wasn't the number one guy. Um, but nonetheless, those guys came in, and one of the things they said was the culture around here is amazing, and mm-hmm. like everybody actually volunteer practices, everybody shows up, and everybody <laughs> because they want to and stuff, and it's really really big. Um, what is your? I guess I'm just going to start like this. What is your read on Carl Anthony Towns, superstar superstar leader? So I, I was thinking about this when I was coming over here today. I think the first time we met, probably like four years ago, I remember we did a we we were at Vegas for summer league, and and we had uh, we had guys you from Denver, me from Minnesota, Portland. We did like oh yeah, do you we remember did that? the the Northwest pod, yeah, Northwest division, and specifically looking at the centers, and they were all like Nurkic, yeah, yeah, it was like Nurkic, Gobert, Cat, <laughs> and Jokic, and all like a really like fair discussion about like you know which one of these guys are can ascend into you know what did we land on do you remember i think we all did the thing where we we stood up for our own guy (laughs) (laughs) sounds right Um, right. you were definitely on Jokic, and which has i mean it's proven to be true i if you look at those and maybe it's partially the organization but but i I think about that where with cat he was it was supposed to have gone better than this Yeah. yeah like the wolves stink yeah, like they're yeah. they're bad and they're bad when he plays. Yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah, I mean, he, at the end of the day, that's really concerning. So when you say Carl Anthony Towns superstar, well, I mean, I know you've played with a lot of bad players and a lot of bad stuff, but like, what have you, what have you really done? Yeah. That yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're comparing the Jokic to Cat resumes right now, it's not close. You, you compare the the type of just players they are in a vacuum. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's not it's not close anymore. Like Jokic is. I mean, Jokic is levels ahead of Cat now. Yeah, it, he he just he just is, and I mean, I it it's kind of hard to make an argument for how he's going to get there because because as I was saying before, Jokic has shown that he gives a shit about defense. Yeah, Cat has, and he, and he gives I think about winning in general. And, and I'll say this about you: here's the craziest thing about Jokic from when we talked in that podcast to yeah. now. Jokic is has I think one remaining flaw. I honestly believe this. He only has one. It's that he's not vocal. Like I think he needs to be more willing to confront teammates and coaches, and just which is weird because maybe other players have been too willing to sort of do that. But I think he does need to like step step up and talk. But Jokic clearly cares about winning. He really is. It, it becomes a, a cliche to talk about this guy that doesn't mind. You know, like that that doesn't mind if somebody else takes the spotlight he's like oh it's a team win what are you talking like he genuinely feels that way has that vision of basketball um so to me like that was the market that was the difference that was 
the seeds were planted back then, and now we see it four years later. Yeah. So I always go back to Game Eighty Two two years ago, and just how the two franchises have gone in almost opposite directions. You know, Denver. Want to hear a crazy stat? Yeah. So I was looking at this up before I came here, and Denver since that has lost forty-five games total. Has wow. lost forty-five games since, and the Wolves had lost. 45 of their last 65 games. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah, wow. like it's yeah. because it, it was a true pivot point for the Nuggets. And a lot of the roster now was on the team back then. But, you know, if you talk to people around the team, you know, from that moment, like they took everything way more seriously. Yeah. There was yeah. just they such a different commitment after that game. Everybody was in the gym at Pepsi Center in Denver for the entire summer. Yeah. You know, everybody was Malik about that. Everybody was here during the off season. There was just a different vibe. There was a different commitment. There was just a different sense of professionalism. And all right, we're not going to let this happen again. Denver needed Game Eighty Two. I don't think the Nuggets are where uh, they are uh, if not for what happened in that's Game Eighty Two really and them take. missing the playoffs. So. It really hurt. And yeah. Jokic in particular, because like we were saying, I don't know that he always was on track to become a super-duper star. He was going to be the talented. But I think mentally there were questions about, like, does this guy really care enough? And I think starting with that failure, he's just been like a machine. Yeah. So I always wonder if it takes something like that for, for certain guys to kind of flip the switch. Because for the Nuggets, I, like that, yeah. I think it needed to take that. Or, or is it possible, Dane, that, that Cat is more of the Anthony Davis superstar, right? Like a historically great second best player but maybe not the guy you build your franchise around yeah i mean probably like how many how many number ones are there like oh yeah that's a great you, you know yeah, like i mean maybe six, Jokic isn't yeah. even seven. that like maybe yeah. not yeah. It, so 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 probably but the reality is the wolves as they're building right now because that's kind of what they have to is they have to try and see of course if of he course. if he can yeah. if he can be that one um i mean my my concerns with towns are between the ears mm. like and it, it, it shows up in his leadership, as you talked. I mean, Jokic is weird in his leadership, but... But, but he's grown. That, and that was kind of the point I was making, was like Jokic wasn't the natural, like, oh, this guy's destined to be... But he that's the most surprising part of all of this, is he grew. And so with Towns, see, I, can, I'm with you, but maybe some, there's an insightful... So he's, he's grown in that his, his leadership role has more bandwidth just because he's like the, the longest yeah, tenured player. I know, no, no, that's yeah. I, I'm, I'm. It's the, self accountability is really what it is. It's somebody that goes like, "Wow, I'm not good enough." He, dude, he never ever does that. He never, yeah. he's never committed a foul and done the like tap myself on the chest and say, "Yeah, that was me." Or like the, he, the all star I mean, game reaction, right? It, it's it's all that stuff. And oh it's, yeah, it's oh yeah. You you've lost. He hadn't won a game since November, and he's like, "I got snubbed for the all star game." It's like, bro, come on, man. no, absolutely. Come you guys, on, you guys dude. don't even because nobody gives a shit about the Timberwolves or follows anything. There is a stupid quote like that every game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> like when they were when they were like kind of rolling at the beginning of the year, they're seven and four. And they're shooting all these threes and kind of making them. And, and he called the team pioneers of excellence. And, like, oh, wow. it, it, there, there's, there's just – I'm telling you, dude, there's – Can we make a shirt out of that? Yeah. I've yeah. thought about it. There, there's, like <laughs> – and and the, the thing is, though, is he, he is, like, a super nice guy. He's just, like, not – he does not have any of that, like, actually, like – killer crazy like a dog. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you, I think this is a life thing. That like it's actually this is one of those things where sports really teach you a lot about life. And I'm telling you, I think one of the biggest roadblocks people have talented people have to success is the inability to look in the mirror and be like, wow, I suck at something. Mm -hmm. And like that oh. and I think with Jokic, look, he's also he's way cockier than people realize. Like he he is an incredibly self confident guy. But there's a reason he dropped thirty pounds. 
this during the yeah. season and it wasn't it, it was because he got embarrassed and because mm-hmm. he looked at the mirror and said like wow i'm i can't do what i thought i could do and i towns there just has to be that i don't for whatever reason it feels to me yeah, as I've an outsider seen... it feels like that moment hasn't come it hasn't. and partly there's been the excuse there's been the chaos like oh well jimmy butler's this bad teammate and there's now our team's not any good and i think maybe different coaches different than, yeah different he, coaches. He, he, he'll rattle that stuff off Whenever you say, you know, what's going on? You guys have – this is your second double-digit losing streak of the year. You know, and it, it's – you know, it, it's all of those things. There's never, like – there's never legitimate accountability for, you know, this is what I'm not doing well. Right. Yeah. And and that's – like you said, as a, as a human, that, that that's huge. That's how you – you know, how, that's how you grow. And I'm really interested is, like, okay, you got your buddy. You got your best friend, D'Angelo, on the team. Like, is that – is he that type of friend that holds you accountable and says right, like, that's no man, be a like huge question. Like, I, I, and I, I don't know D'Angelo well enough or, or anything, you know, but, yeah. but like he absolutely needs that. Mm. He absolutely needs that. And it's, uh, it's probably going to be the, the, the difference. Well, right? well, one of the funny things is you look at it. That's not going to happen this year unless it happens organically. And like, just something happens in his life. But like mm. he has a perfect out. The season's over. He's not going to play that much. They're already tanking. It's that moment's not going to come this year. So next year, maybe they need a game eighty-two moment next year. But now you're talking about okay, you're twenty-six or twenty-five or whatever. Right. I think we figured it out. They just need to sign Paul Millsap <laughs> <laughs> and Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. just get off of them. <laughs> Way into the luxury tax. Let's do it. Now, it I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's so good that that happened for Jokic while he was still on his rookie deal. You know, right. like earlier yeah. yeah. when you bring up the salary cap yeah. stuff, because it's like, you know, maybe that does happen with the Wolves. Like next year. They make the playoffs, or or they and get game humiliated, or something, or, or something it, yeah. like that, and that, that like sounds like a successful season, and they do make this change, and now they're all of a sudden starting to ascend in the right direction. Well, now you're towards the end of D'Angelo Russell and Cat's right. max contracts. What do you do? You're, you're about to throw now the thirty percent max at those guys, or Cat's going to get the super max if he makes. Like I think you know, time's running out. You know, the player that <laughs> had this, in my opinion, was LeBron James, because I think LeBron. He was great enough to carry a bad team to the final, so it disguised all of this. Yeah. But I really believe that his time in Cleveland was a lot of waste because he never had to look in the mirror until he got to Miami. So what, when when did Minnesota lose in the first round to the Warriors? No, to the Rockets. To, it was to, the game to, 82. They won game 82, and then they went. Oh, right, because yeah. they play the Rockets. The Nuggets were going to – yeah, it was like flipped around. But Nuggets were going to get swept. Right. But um, yeah. I feel like the reason maybe that wasn't the pivot point was because, like you were saying, front office gets ushered out, a new one comes ushered in, Coaches, coaching staff turns over. There's so much roster turnover. In Denver, from game 82 to now, it's been the same guys. Until this trade deadline. Like basically right, yeah. that's same it. coaching staff, and same they, they trade office, Wancho same and Malik and Jared, all three of who didn't even play in game 82. They weren't even. They weren't even. They weren't, <laughs> they even, weren't even in there. that game. Yeah. Like they weren't in the That's rotation. Wild. They yeah. didn't play, huh? No, they didn't play. That's crazy. Um, and also, the other funny thing is, and I'm telling you, there's a real thing here. Like you obviously clearly have a spot in your heart for Kata Bates, the app, and yeah. Noah Vonley, but I don't think it's anything like in Denver, where Beasley and Wancho leaving sucked, and it was real. Oh, yeah. And it's for the players too. It's like a very yeah. emotional thing, and I think that's the contrast between the two groups has been very stark. Well, it's because they've like been through some shit. Yeah, they've been through <laughs> yeah, stuff right. together. You know, and it, it's like the Wolves, they've basically been playing like summer league Their for two years. Labor, like, I mean, yeah. it, it, honestly, <laughs> look at the look at the team. They're, they're just changing hats. Like, all right, now I'm on yeah. this one. The Wolves had nine guys active last night on that on their team, and I bet you five or six of those guys play for their summer league team mm, wow. this summer. Yeah. I mean, 
That would have been a bad loss for the Nuggets. <laughs> well, it wasn't even. It wasn't the, even close. It was the kind of game the Nuggets yeah. absolutely lose. By the way. Yeah, I was going to have been the worst yeah. one of the year. So. <laughs> oh, this has been a fun conversation. Yeah, um, cu- yeah, touched on a lot of things. I feel like I know Denver's players or the new players a little bit better. Yeah. Definitely. Hopefully, Minnesota fans have an even growing effect. Take care of those guys, bro. I, honestly, we like Minnesota. They like that people change, love Malik. You know? People love Malik right Not now. Not Wancho. Okay, but I, I Malik think, hit like six threes in five minutes. So and he came in numerous said, games. Yeah, he's like, we're making the playoffs. Yeah, so like that's yeah. the kind of stuff that's like a fan I, I, base. Like, Wancho yeah. hasn't had like his moment yet, like in a game but or he, anything. He won't like Wancho has like three well, moments. Yeah, so that's why. So then, right, I think it's going to be a time thing where people are like, oh, I just like him. It like kind of adds up. Malik came in like boom in the first game, shoots a million threes, like makes a bunch of them, and then he comes in. He comes in the locker room afterwards, and he goes. It's a playoff push, yeah, straight yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you know That's he's so he him, just though. tell your front office that he's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's been making some comments like that that you know a fan Fans a fan up. fan connect to. Wancho has been in foul trouble every game, uh, <laughs> so. Uh, oh, Wancho! I mean, hold on, let's tell some Wancho stories, can we? Yes. Like so, Jokic made his first All Star game last year. You know the Nuggets videotaping, and Wancho just impromptu becomes his security and they're walking down <laughs> but with his accent he goes clear the way ollie star he can't no actually touching. say all-star nobody <laughs> touching our ollie star and it's just like he's always doing that kind of stuff you know like uh there was the video of him and thomas welsh at some like edm concert at red rock just rubbing <laughs> his head and yeah. thomas welsh is like having the worst time of it he looks exactly like i would be having at an edm yeah. concert and wancho's like hat back glasses on just going crazy so it's yeah. just stuff like that. Like, Wancho just seems like the best hang in the so world. So I tell people this all the time. Wancho is the best teammate I've ever covered. Mm. The absolute best teammate I've ever covered. But I think Wolves fans are going to love Malik as well because Malik is like a worker. Like, that guy yeah. is an absolute worker. He wants to be the best. And, like, he does body's like perfect. He does put the work in. So, yeah, I mean, if a team's going to hand him an opportunity, he's going to do everything he can to capitalize. Yeah, he, he is Look, super competitive. Uh, can just, I interject for my boy Wancho on a basketball standpoint one way? I say this all the time. <laughs> if you were to look at this whole – since Wancho arrived, so four years, if you were to look at the five most memorable games over that span, he's a part of probably four of them. Well, mm-hmm. he, there's the Wancho game in 2000, his rookie year, where he scored 27 points and the Nuggets beat the KD Curry Warriors at full, you know, hmm. just housed them and hit 26 threes, I think, in the game, was tied for a record at the mm-hmm. time. Um, he beat the Warriors again uh, the next year where With he had a game saving block. block. I remember that. He yeah. had, um, you know, the Jokic triple double game. You guys forget this with the fastest triple double in Milwaukee. They were shorthanded. Wancho was playing a bunch in that one as well. Jokic gets the fastest oh, triple double ever. He had the uh, game five against Portland, the shimmy in the corner, which was just like the icing on the cake. I mean, he just seems to be as much as I don't think he's like a great player. There is something to like, he's a winning player, man. Winning he makes player. winning plays. Like, um, he just does a lot of little things and he just is so good at playing his role that he plays off of really good players. Well, like that's why he could fit around towns, D'Angelo yeah. Russell and Beasley. He is a great guy to Put next to your star players. Mike Miller at the end of the, of his run with the Heat was kind of like this. I felt like where mm-hmm. it was like you know he can't play a lot, but when he would check in in a big moment, you were kind of like you know what, 
He might just play he above might, himself for right, five minutes, right. and that's what they need, and he w- always seemed to. I think the fans will like him, and I can tell that all the players are going to like him. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah he, he's a great teammate. Fade, oh, yeah. Honestly, it's a good litmus test. If there's a player that does not like him, yeah, get him out of there <laughs> they're immediately. The immediately. Yeah, they're yeah. the problem. Right, right. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up. Thanks so much for tuning in. He is Dane Moore. You can catch up. We'll have the – uh, his Twitter handle in the description of the show, so you can click on that and follow him. Great guy. And, of course, the Minnesota Timberwolves are always around. They're always going to be around, so check him out for all your <laughs> Always around. They're always That's around. That's the marketing pitch. No, they're I'm not saying, for next year's tickets pitch. The Wolves, they're wolves. always here. I'm saying they're in the division. Yes, I, I know, I know what you were getting at, but <laughs> you will play us four times a year. It's they like are the a basketball team. don't matter to Denver. They're a team that matters very much, so. Hey, man, I mean, for I'm not totally sold it's going to happen, but you can paint a picture. If somehow this Cat D'Lo thing offensively is really good and the front office, like, actually rounds out some pieces. like Give me, this, like, three more ifs. They, I, yeah, well, that's all we – we only get ifs in Minnesota. I'm just – it could be a team that, you know, two, three years down the road – Oh yeah! If it comes, I mean that it's it's a Western Conference team that the Nuggets are competing the, against. The Nuggets are just going to have to go through all their ex teammates, Donovan Mitchell and and Gobert, yeah. Nurkic. <laughs> That's the Nuggets. The Nuggets yeah. are so good at drafting. They Drafted they the build every other team in the Northwest <laughs> the Division as well, subsidizing <laughs> the Western <laughs> Conference. Division. Yeah. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts So you can quickly and easily find what you need Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.